Welcome to the podcast by Pleasant Valley, where we talk about biblical truth, address your questions, and seek to help you fall deeper in love with Jesus. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast by Pleasant Valley. I'm your host, Caleb Eisler, and for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the topic of decision-making. What is the process I need to go through as I make a decision? How does my faith interact with my decision-making? And just various topics like that to help us think through how to make decisions in our everyday lives. In order to have this conversation, I sat down with three good friends, Dr. Albine, Dr. Barb Condra, and Dr. Stana Martin, to talk through how God has helped shape their decision-making ideas and paradigms and just how Scripture and the Holy Spirit have grounded their decision-making. It's just a really fruitful conversation. And actually, it, it went long enough that we've actually split the conversation into two parts so that it's not overwhelming to listen to in one sitting. So for the next two weeks, we'll listen to this conversation about how to make decisions as a Christian. Let's listen in. Friends, thank you so much for uh, for coming together again. And uh, for today's topic, I know we've talked about talking about the topic of decision-making and how all-encompassing that is. And so, Dr. B, I want to turn it over to you. We talked in kind of pre-recording about just laying out a scope of what this would be. So if you would be willing to lay out that scope for us for this discussion. Yeah, I think one of the things we want to keep in mind is we're talking about decision-making in the life of a God follower. We're talking about the fact that we are already Christians, that we are trying to follow the Lord's leading and what He would have us do. Uh, consequently, we're, we're not going to make decisions necessarily in the same way as a, an unbeliever would do so. We will take uh, other considerations into, into, uh, into play. Also, we're dealing in this discussion primarily with decisions individuals make, though it may impact other people. We're not talking about company decisions or business decisions, things of this nature. What we say today may influence that in your thinking about it and, and how you refer that to the Lord. But, but we're essentially trying to work with you and with each of us as individuals in, in following Christ in a way that will honor God. That's so good. Um, <clears throat> as we think through just the, the broader scope of decision-making, um, one of the categories we've talked about is just how does our faith itself intersect with decision-making? Because there's a sense in which all of us have been in a place where, you know, a decision comes to the fore. It could be little or it could be massive. And the initial thought is, wow, I wish I could just have God's answer written in the sky. But we know that that, that doesn't happen. But we do have the scriptures. We do have prayer and the Holy Spirit. And so maybe maybe it'd be helpful for us at the just the beginning to talk through the intersection of faith and decision making, just how those two things come together. <clears throat> what what about this conversation is distinctly Christian, like you talked about, Doctor Bean? Can I say something related to what Doctor Bean just mm -hmm. said? Uh, previous to that, he talked about making decisions that honor God. That is the intersection of faith and decision making, because it implies a relationship and a respect for who God is. And so as you think about honoring God in your decisions, then that opens up a whole basketful of different things. And the one that comes to mind is, if I believe I'm being directed to do something by God, I have some desire or inclination and I say, I can't do that, I, or I don't want to do, I don't have time for that right now. Whatever <laughs> it is, that's not honoring God. So when God says, hey Barb, you could do this, 
then I might be thinking, I don't see how in the world I could do that. And that's what my prayer is back to him. You see me doing that and I don't. What is it I need to know? What is it I need to hear from you? What, how are you going to enable me for this? Because now what you're doing is honoring God's creation of you. Because yeah. he had that in mind for you. Yeah. Well, I think on a similar note, uh, the distinction between there are some decisions that even though they may not be difficult, or that they may be difficult in our flesh, they may not be difficult in election in the sense that they're going to be moral decisions where right. well, another way to honor God yeah. is saying, well, he has strictly said, I, I am not to do this. I shall mm -hmm. not lie. I shall not murder. I shall not right. steal. You know. Which he's never asked you to do. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. That's right. Well, that's where I was going to go, Caleb, is that I think there are some things that are clearly uh, disallowed by Scripture. There's no question about, you know, do I build a business based on pornography? That would be a no, right? Yeah. You know, do I uh, lie to my spouse? That would be a no, right? You know, but when you go more granular than that, sometimes it can be more complex. So I'll just like tell a story on myself. You know, thou shalt not lie. Does that mean I have to report every little item on my taxes? Like, is that lying, right? And so you have to begin to look sort of, yes, there are some things that are absolute no's, but as your life rolls forward and you look at smaller and smaller decisions, you really have to have some soul examination about that. And I can always tell how far along I'm progressing on my journey as to how granular my thinking has gone in terms of those absolute no's. And um, I had a snap moment the other day, I'm driving in my truck and I had my blinker on to change lanes and the person behind me zips over with no blinker and gets right where I wanted to go, and my lane was cutting off, and I had this moment of complete road rage, right? And I had this thought so so quick that was like, I'm older than her, I have more insurance, I can just <laughs> die from you know? Thank goodness my journey has, granular-wise, that was a no. I was like, no. We're going to pray for that lady, and I'll wait and be awkward here in traffic. But there are moments when you've got to have a gut check. That absolute no may be a no, but you may have that moment that's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Maybe nobody else suffers from that. I'm the only one. <laughs> it, has, it has to do in large measure with the way we focus and what's in our mind the more our mind is simply on what's going on around us or, or the next thing that we've got on our agenda, uh, we have less and less space in our consciousness for, I wonder what God is doing with the people in the cars around me or in the, in the clerk at the store where I'm working. Or, uh, I, just, I just wonder how it looks from his side. From, for me, it looks like they're a bunch of nerds or they're no goods or they're dirty or whatever like. And God says, this is, this is one of my beloved children. Yeah. Correct. I think uh, on that note, there's a, a newer book called uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And he talks about the little bit of just, if we are so hurried to the point where we don't have the mental energy, just like you said, to be able to step back, then it, it totally changes decision making. And it, I mean, even as someone on staff at a church, you, I can go throughout a whole day if it's busy enough and not really in a devotional sense think about God, which is pretty scary. You know, it's like, wow, I didn't, I haven't prayed for eight or nine hours. You know, I just am going from thing to thing, and uh, it totally changes your decision making. Yeah. True. 
And you probably need to talk to Stan about the <laughs> ongoing yeah. conversations with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, it's only because I've been reading Brother Lawrence. Oh, yeah. Practicing the presence. And it's just, it's really been good for me. I've loved it. Yeah. I don't agree with everything he says. I always have to put out there. Because there's some things he says that I'm like, I don't think that's right. But I really do enjoy his way of saying, we will practice. And as we practice, we will get better at living with God moment to moment. Yeah. And, and without, you know, don't want to chase that rabbit too far. But if you begin to work back in devotional literature, you will find in every generation, they have said, you've got to stop. You've got to be quiet. You've got to reflect. And our, our generation, our, our time on earth right now is just getting faster and faster and faster. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like the devil is pushing in one direction to keep our minds full and our lives full and decisions need to be made. And the Holy Spirit's over here trying to say, whoa, wait a minute, wait, 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 let's think about this. Let's, uh, let's look at the Lord in, in love and appreciation. Not uh, that he's going to dictate something, but he's going to influence us with our feelings toward him, toward ourselves, and toward one another. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things that could be helpful for us to talk about is when we think about decision-making, um, there can be different thoughts on, does God have an ideal plan for our lives? Because depending on how you view that, that actually shifts how you address decisions in the moment. And uh, Dr. B, I know you've, you've had thoughts on this. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, give, give us a framework for, does God okay, have they, an ideal plan are, for our lives? There are thoughts that are counter to what most people think. Yeah. Uh, because we, we have either been taught, told, or we've just come to understand or, or believe that God has a moment by moment, this is God's will, and if you're one step off, if you're one inch off, then you're out of God's will. Uh, when in fact, one of the, and I, this, this came to me as I was thinking about the way we, we want our children to grow up and develop into mature individuals. Uh, we want our children to come to a point some someplace later in their in their teens or early 20s or whatever the age we want our kids to come to a point where they understand our values and our our reasons for doing things so that they can then reflect them and god brings us to a point i think in our maturity where he says okay i can i can trust you to go this way and I don't need to stop you in the morning and tell you what to wear or where to go or exactly what store to purchase your food at or something like that. Uh, he wants us to decide on our own. And so we discover then how well-formed our hearts are when we not live on our own, but when we try to reflect God's values rather than thinking he is some sort of taskmaster who has a GPS that says this is the only way yeah. that you can go. Yeah. I think on a related note, one of the things that can be, it can just freeze us and be paralyzing is that ironically when we can have the mindset of God has the ideal plan and there's only one specific thing we can ever do, is that we can almost feel the weight of the whole world depends on my next decision. Yeah. Yeah. When in fact, that, that ends up making us God that point when in reality God is so great that of course we will make mistakes I mean if the gospel tells us anything and yet God can redeem those mistakes so that even even things that do happen that we don't intend in in the end it will work together for good and I know there's a way to be 
uh, kind of generic about that, but I think it can take the weight off the decisions when people feel paralyzed in the moment. You know? The complexity of it happens when, okay, tell, remind me of the scripture where they said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. Jeremiah 29. Yeah, but that one gets brought up a lot, and so then people think there are the plans yeah. that God has to prosper mm -hmm. me. And we have our idea of what prosper means, and so then we're thinking, well, my life is not prospering. So, holy cow, I must be off track. This must not be God's singular, most wonderful plan for me. And um, I, I am not certain that God has a singular, wonderful plan for me other than what Barb started with, which is my life should honor mm -hmm. and show God's glory to the world. That's God's plan for me. And there's lots of ways that can be, you know, played out. Um, I had a point in my life when I was going through a very um, hard window very disappointed with the way my life looked at that moment. And if I had stopped there and said, well, this is God's plan for my life, this is it, then I don't know, I would have been a very depressed person. But I had some very good counsel where people said to me, this is a window of your life. And so this is not God's plan for you. This is not you missed his signpost you went the wrong way you're in trouble you know this is just this is life and so the question is now what now that this is where you're at what will you do today to honor and show god's glory to the world and that really really helped me uh, get through that time and not feel like i had missed the singular path that god had for me yeah well imagine if if Jesus had taken the approach of if he wasn't prospering every moment and he's on the cross and if you just stop there it's like it's over but we know that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord so to your point sometimes it's actually the low seasons that are part of God's plan to prosper us later on yeah a couple of things came up as, as uh, you and Stan were talking and one of these has to do with we uh, we're looking for God we're trying to make decisions in God that will honor God and there's a big difference between, well, I'm going to do what I want to and God will take care of it. Or I'm going to do what, what I want to and surely God will bless because I've quoted this scripture, that scripture, whatever. And when we look at something like Jeremiah 29, or even when we look at a, a more uh, familiar passage from Psalm 37, where it talks about if we trust the Lord, we're in Proverbs chapter 3, it talks about if, if we commit our ways to the Lord, then they're going to prosper. We look at those and we fail to understand that really scripture needs to be understood. We use the word interpreted, but I think maybe the word understood is better. It reminds me of the fact that the Pharisees in Jesus' day knew their scripture backwards and forwards. What they did not understand was the spirit by which God gave them those restrictions and those blessings and those opportunities. Consequently, they were came up to Jesus Christ and kept challenging on him. Don't you know what the scripture says? Well, yeah, of course I know what it says. And I know what you've done with it. Yeah. Whereupon they slinked off as they should have in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> so knowledge of scripture and the ability to interpret scripture or understand scripture is very important at this point. Which, Particularly, oh, go ahead. Because Stana also mentioned the fact that you have some thou shalt nots well, what about lying on your taxes or, 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 you know, just rounding off the numbers in a different kind of fashion? Uh, well, we're, all of a sudden we're trying to be looking at the minutiae to get our own way, yeah. to get what we want 
And the question is not whether or not I should lie, but whether or not, what does God want? Yeah. What does God, what does he want to do with that opportunity to sin as I face it? Whether it's something very small or whether it's something rather significant. Yeah. That's good. There's, there's an old pastor named Samuel Rutherford who talks about, just to your point, that there are going to be a lot of things where the Bible does not explicitly lay out, but he said kind of like a husband to a wife, he knows that even if his wife doesn't command him to do you know, X, Y, or Z, he knows that she would appreciate it, she would love it, and he's going to do that because he takes joy in honoring her to the best of his ability. And I think that just exactly what you're saying, understanding the spirit of Scripture and God's will. So I want to go back to Deuteronomy. Yeah. Um, in chapter 10, and it's verses 12 through 14 or so, but I'm going to pull out two statements. It says, what does God require of you? First of all, to walk in all his ways. Yeah. And second of all, to keep his commandments. So if you just look at those two things and, under, and you read it and understand what it's saying, you can get a very deep guidance for how to make your decisions. Is this not a strict path, but is this the way that my walk, my life should look? And it should reflect the walk of Jesus, which means he talked to the Father, he listened to directions, he asked questions, he said, I don't understand, he said, why are we doing this? I mean, there were a variety of ways. He modeled for us what it looks like to walk in all his ways. It does not say, walk on the specific path that I have identified for you. Now that would make some things much easier, but that's not what it says. But keep his commandments, which goes back to, you're supposed to be honest, you're supposed to be loving, you're not supposed to be angry, you're not supposed to be jealous and filled with pride. And those are things that will get you in trouble. Yeah. And yeah. I nor are they honoring of God. That's right. Yeah, nor are they honoring of God. Right. Absolutely. So I can get. I, I'll try to make this quick, but an example. So well, it's been a number of years back. I was working on a doctorate degree. I had. I'm working for a local school district as a principal. I had the opportunity to interview for a much more important job in a much more. Um, upscale school district, at least as from the perspective. I was going to make a great deal more money. I was going to have a great deal more prestige. And after all, I'm about to get a doctorate degree. I took the job. Mistake. <laughs> because, I mean, there was nothing wrong with the job, but it was the wrong place for me because I took it for the wrong reasons. But if you laid it down, you know, on my, let's look at this chart. Why should I stay here and why should I go there? Everything falls over here on the right. From the worldly perspective. From the worldly yes. perspective. And I talked myself into doing it. I think there was this little part of me that said, don't think this is going to be for good. And it wasn't. But it was for good in that I learned a lot in that. Because what I quickly learned was my belief system and values as to how I would operate in this position that I had did not match the values and belief systems of the people with whom I worked. <laughs> yeah. And so you can't do that for very long if you're going to stay. Yeah. So 
what I did was I wound up going back to where I came from, the other district, took a huge cut in pay and much less, uh, I wasn't in the central office, I wasn't at the, the head office and everybody said, what on earth are you thinking? You will, n you realize you will never get another job like that. They, I said, well, okay. Four years later, I did get the other job in that district at a much higher salary. But those weren't the reasons I got the job, or I took the job. So I learned a lot, and it was like, like okay, okay, fine. I never go back. That's fine. You know, at least I'm going to be happy doing what I'm doing. Barbara, I love that you, I've heard you share this story before, and I love it because it exemplifies the fact that there's not one singular way. Yeah. It also exemplifies the fact that God often lets us make decisions so we can learn. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that learning is joyful. Sometimes it's really not so joyful. And in the end, God, as Caleb said, he is sovereign. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm a little bit deviating from some ideal, not that I think there's an ideal, but if there was, God is still big enough to compensate for my my errors and my flaws mm -hmm. yeah taking us all the way back providing we are trying to honor god Absolutely. that's right correct yeah such a such a big difference between facing a decision and simply choosing what i want to do it, it, it right. may ultimately be the right decision but making it for the wrong reason mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think it'd be helpful to take a second even just to to reinforce that, to say, okay, how do we get to a place where we are consistently trying to honor God? And in a previous conversation, we had talked about the idea of basic training um, and this idea that the reason there is so much monotony and repetition in basic training in the military is because when you get to battle, they want you to, in a you know, snap instant, to do the right thing. And I just think there's something about that to the Christian life of being in the scriptures. Um, each day, praying each day, you know, seeking God's face each day, attending worship, being part of community, just those regular rhythms. Um, how, how in your life have you guys seen that gird yourselves up for preparing you to make decisions? Well, the Holy Spirit is still teaching me lessons about how to, how to listen to Scripture because I've spent a, a good portion of my life teaching Scripture or preaching Scripture or, and trying to understand Scripture and, and I can come to a point where, okay, I'm going to open the Word and I'm going to look at it and I'm going to read a, this paragraph or this chapter, whatever it might be, and come away very dry, very without having gained any, any conviction, without having gained any inspiration or any leadership. And that reminds me that I need to go back again and again. In fact, uh, you probably know I, I signed up for the Encounter yeah. program, which is... Uh, an introduction to, to the Bible, and, and it, I'm really learning a great deal as I listen to, uh, to Andy Lee talk about that, and as I read the material, it, it makes me go back again and again, am I really reading this as scripture? And, and so, again and again, for people who are looking for a way to gain more uh, of God's perspective and God's reality in their life, you're going to have to go back to the Word of God. Mm -hmm. uh, the church will help. Prayer is a significant part of it. Talking with other people, but it's going to have to go back to the Word of God. 
a word that is handled rightly, dividing the word of truth. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. How about, how, how about you, uh, Barb and Sana? Have you seen just the basics of the faith help gird you up for decision making when that's come up? Oh, it's it makes something that appears difficult um, more easy. It makes um, because it, it's cumulative. Um, so many many years ago when you start dating some dating people there are people you choose not to date or places that you choose not to find a date from because that won't reflect the values that you have so what you do is like maybe there's this huge pool of people out there you know and it's like yeah but i'm not looking at all of them i'm only looking for this kind of person you know so the kind of person I was looking for would be somebody who was actively engaged in the Baptist Student Union, because that's you know my background and that's where I am. So I you know I'm looking not so that we can have the identical beliefs, but that we can have the right the same perspective on life and what a marriage commitment is about. Now you, you don't announce that on a first date to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, By the way, not, let me lay out my criteria. And I based them on Jesus. Yes. But, and and it, it's not even necessarily that you've actually thought it out. I mean, because I don't know that I did think yeah. that out like that. But as you look back, you realize that, in fact, that's exactly hmm. what you were doing because of the training that you had, the information that you had, the knowledge that you had, yeah. which, of course, you know, is much less than you have now. But it was enough to get you into the right, um, the places you needed to be, mm -hmm. that then you can make the decisions that are going to be right for you. So yeah. it's really kind of cumulative. One lays the base for the next one decision that lays the base for the, the next decision. Yeah. I think I think there's something, even just what you just said about the more you go back to basics and, and you're strong in the basics, the more, it's not even that that all the answers are laid out for you, but you are more likely to put yourself in the places you need mm -hmm. to be. And right. then that hugely influences decisions. Yes. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> having friends who, uh, before they came to Christ, I can remember just, just consistently putting themselves in situations where mm -hmm. they would fall into trouble. And as they came to Christ and began to see, okay, here's the way God commands me to live, they are they're approaching life in a totally different way. And, and even just the temptations to make wrong decisions are decreased. Right. So, yeah. Sure. Well, I, I was going to say nothing new or different, I'm certain. But I think of it as a bowling alley, right? This is life. I, the, my goal here is to get the ball down the lane. And it's easy, easy to fall into the gutters on the side, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. there's lots of temptation. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and if you're not very good at staying down the middle, you fall off the side a lot. And so I always, you know, when my son was little, they would put those things in the gutters, you know, oh, the, so bumpers, they don't, yeah. the bumpers, right? So scripture for me is like bumpers, right? Mm -hmm. And that, and, and if I come up against the side and I go, should I, then I'm there, no. And Barb's example of, you know, hanging out with the right crowd, don't be unequally yoked. These are all bumpers yeah. that scripture gives us to keep us down the middle. Now there's lots of places in the middle you could go. There's not like a little bitty narrow track, but you don't want to be off in the gutter, right? Um, 
And beyond that, I would also say only one other thing, which is decisions have different level of impact on your life. Mm -hmm. Who you're going to marry, that's life changing. Mm -hmm. Are we going to pick up and move to Virginia? That's life changing. Those are decisions that you're going to have to slow down a lot more for, have a lot more prayer over, have a lot more maybe conversation with other people that you trust. But there's other decisions that are really tiny. You know, oh, should I buy myself cookies this week or not? You know, that's not one that you're going to angst over. Medium decisions, I remember one time I was going to buy myself a, a new bicycle. Now, you don't know this about me, but I love my bicycle. And I could spend a lot of my spare money on bike stuff. Because I like to travel on my bike and like have a little trailer and camp and all this, but so I needed a new bike, and I remember talking to Al about it. I was just, I was just, um, just torn. Should I invest? Is this good shepherding of my money? What am I, am I doing the right thing? And everybody has that set of zeros, like how many zeros becomes a medium-sized decision, <laughs> and the number of zeros at twenty is probably not the same number of zeros at fifty, right, or eighty. So everybody has medium-sized decisions, and that those are going to fall a little bit differently. They're bounded by bumpers, but they also are going to maybe sometimes have conversation with other people. And I'll tell you the bike whole, just the whole end of the bike story. Um, <laughs> Al said to me after I'd had this conversation with him more times than he wanted to listen to, <laughs> he looks at me a minute and he goes, do you think God might trust you to make this decision? And I was like, holy cow you think so <laughs> and i was suddenly relieved of all the anxiety because god trusted me because i had bumpers as barb said i had had layers of years and i have bumpers i can make this decision and it's not going to be the end of everything if it's like you know i don't know maybe i'm done <laughs> but, but i think there's something about that too uh i was just andy stanley one time talked about how his dad the way his dad when he parented the older Andy got, the less directives he gave him. Yep. Because, and I think there's something about that with God where, you know, Andy's dad, Charles, uh, would give him directives at the beginning, but the older Andy got, yes, he would still give directives, but they, they were less frequent because he trusted Andy to, just like you said, stay within the bumpers. Yep. And I do think there's something about that. God gives us very core directives, but there is something about, like, he's given us the spirit of, uh, of his intent, and we can follow that and stay within the bumpers. Now, very few of us who, who are parents would want our... 20, our 40-year-old children coming to us with the same questions they had at 13. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you haven't learned anything in the, in the intervening years, I blew it. Yeah. But something else uh, I was thinking about as Janet was talking uh, about the kinds of decisions we make. And some are major and some are minor and some are relatively insignificant. Uh, on the way over today, for some reason, I was thinking about the decisions that impact or affect other people. And so far, it's been relatively easy to talk in terms of my relationship with the Lord, and my understanding of Scripture. But there are some other people, not, and I'm not talking about advisors. I'm talking about the effect we have, particularly if you're in a family situation and you make a vocational decision. It's going to affect the whole family and not always good. Uh, my wife, bless her little heart, she has followed this puppy around for a long, long time, <laughs> going places she would probably just soon not go. Uh, but she has been trusting, and uh, and I sometimes I've even made the right decision, and that's been, <laughs> been very encouraging. Yeah, that's so good. That's yeah, so good. I think another aspect of decision making 
is that when you think God is directing you to do something and you're not sure about it, either because you don't really want to do it or you're just not sure what the next step will be. And so you just get stalled. And a part of the being stalled is actually on purpose. Mm. Because it looks like I'm still trying to figure this out. And I'm sure God is understanding, you know, that I'm really just trying to figure this out. That what I'm really doing is thinking I can stall long enough. I won't need to do it. I can stall long enough. God will change his mind. He won't really ask me to do that. Yes, yeah. exactly. And Merle's sermon about three weeks ago, he talked about when uh, you feel like God is telling you to do something and you keep standing at this open door. And he literally had the door on the stage, the platform. And the point is to step through the door because he's not going to give you the next step until you just say, fine, I'm taking this step on faith. Um, and, and I realized, you know, that at that day it spoke to me because there was something I was wanting to do with a podcast, Facebook Live, and I just kept going, okay, I don't really know what to say. I don't know how this is going to come across. Maybe I should do this. You know, it was just ridiculous. And as I sat there, I thought, all right, Barb, just do it. I mean, if it sounds ridiculous, you can do something else the next day and come back and say, I don't know what I was talking about. I'm sorry. So I did. And it's, am it's amazing how freeing that is afterwards because that's what he wants you to do. And the picture that comes to mind from one of the... Um, oh... I can't even remember the name of the movies. But the guy is down in the caverns of something, and he's supposed to walk on the bridge that takes him from one oh, side. Oh, uh, Indiana Jones. Jones. Yeah, Indiana yeah. Jones. So, and he's standing there like, there is no bridge. Well, there isn't until you step out. Yeah. And then the bridge begins to show itself. Yeah. And I think we need to realize that that is one of the decision-making things that we have to confront in ourselves. Are you stuck? because you really don't want to do this, or you're just plain scared, you need to get unstuck, and the only way to do it is to take the first step. Yeah. And if that really is wrong, he's gonna, God's gonna show you. You know, okay, well, that's great, but I really meant for you to do this, or you didn't hear me right. I mean, he'll, he'll guide you. Yeah. But he values the fact that you are trying to honor what you think he's saying to you. And scripture actually would totally support that, Barb. You know, when the Israelites crossed the River Jordan, was that where you were going to go? Mm -hmm. God tells them to step into the Jordan, yes. and it's yes. in flood stage. So for us, we don't know, Jordan, what is that? You know, But if you think about the river here in Kansas City, and it's at flood stage, yeah. put that in your mind. You and that. now God said, okay, you and all your friends are going to carry the Ark of the Covenant, and you got to step in. And it was still at flood stage. He didn't roll the waters back until they stepped in. So sometimes you gotta, you got to step in. The same thing was done at the Red Sea yeah. on the Exodus. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you step in it, the, the way will open. Yeah. yeah. I, think that, I think there's something even with that, just to say that God isn't going to show us every open door behind that, in part because we would often be crushed by the weight of what he would have us do mm -hmm. in the future. And I can even think of my own life. Like public speaking was my biggest fear growing up. And so if God would have said, oh, yeah, by the way, you're going to preach weekly for a college ministry and do all this other stuff, I, I would have been totally terrified. But he just, to your point, just gave one next door. Mm -hmm. And part of that, even with stepping in the river, is that 
when we can't see what's going to happen next, it does force us to trust. If yeah. we knew it was going to be some deterministic plan where we could see the end, well, then there's no trust. We don't have to. If we feel like we don't have to do anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. And Moses would have run screaming the other way yes. had God revealed everything Moses was going to do. Because <laughs> all he said is, go talk to Pharaoh, and Moses is like, no, I can't do it. Right? That's right. So yeah. God thankfully loves us enough not to show us everything. <laughs> and he's very patient with us. Very that's patient. Right. Very and that's, that's another point in decision-making. God, God's patience is so much greater than ours. Uh, we want to move ahead. Okay, I've got to make this decision now. And God may simply say, no, you don't. Just sit real still, or wait a week, or wait a year, or whatever, and and I will have things wait, worked out for you. I know, uh, I know. Sometimes uh, in praying for a person to come to Christ, that person is not to the point where they're ready to face that decision. And if we if we push, if we insist that they listen to our evangelistic. Uh, presentation or if we insist you've got to get down that aisle and make that decision you've got to pray to receive Christ I can't I can't take them at their word yeah and just just all right let's walk let's walk a little further with them yeah that's right thank you for joining us for the podcast by Pleasant Valley if you want to hear more from us you can connect with us on Facebook Instagram and our website pleasantvalley.org God bless